Hello listeners, I am Haley Molina and this is the third episode to the Your WSGA podcast. This month we are celebrating Women's History Month and in this episode are the interviews of women within WSGA who shared their experiences with us. Um, before I go in and also side note, these were recorded at different times and but I also want to begin with Washburn's history with women first. Generally, women weren't allowed an education or upper education until the 1700s in the U.S. They could apply, but can be denied because of sex until the 1970s when Title IX came along. Title IX guaranteed the right to an education regardless of sex. Now, Washburn admitted women and POCs the first year it started as Lincoln College in 1965. It's nice to hear that from a college, um, for me, because as a woman, or maybe someone else who is BIPOC, it's still kind of hard to get an education, um, just because of systemic issues that exist today, like racism and wage gaps and other discriminatory things. Uh, throughout this episode, those things are brought up. Um, anyway, to begin, I asked everyone to introduce themselves. So hi, my name is Victoria Smith. I am the student body president and the president of WSGA. Um, I am a music double performance major with the double emphasis in violin and voice. My pronouns are she, her. Hi everyone, my name is Megan Durantes. I am the current diversity and inclusion director for WSGA and I am a sophomore majoring in public administration and my pronouns are she and her. Hello, everybody. My name is Shaden Haynes. I'm the legislative director for WSGA. My pronouns are she and her, and my major is business with a minor in leadership. Hi, everyone. My name is Diana Ramirez. Um, I am the diversity and inclusion chairwoman. I'm a freshman and I major in political science with a minor in women and gender studies, and my pronouns are she, her. Cool. Um, are you the first female to go to college in your house household? No, my mother did. Um, and then I'd be the second one in our household to go to college. So I'm actually not. Both of my parents got um, education. My father got his education in Mexico. And then my mother's got either her bachelor's or master's in here. So I'm not. I am not either. Both my parents went to college. I am. Um, none of my parents, nobody in my family went to college, so I'm the first one to make it here. So why did you choose the major you chose? Um, for a while, it's because it was the only thing, I thought it was the only thing I was good at. Um, I've come to realize I'm good at a lot of things um, that I could have gone into different degrees in, but I've already came so far in my music major that um, it's really too late to like change or do anything like that. So that's why I did it. Also, music is a very big part of my life. So, yeah. So for me, um, I'm public administration. For those who don't know, just think of like politics and government. Personally, one of the reasons I chose to have that be my major was because growing up, I didn't really see a lot of Latin, uh, Latina women that looked like me in politics or in my local government. And so for me, I wanted to be my own role model and even then, I remember um, specifically when President Barack, former President Barack Obama started running, that was like, that was my, um, I forget the word, my shining moment, I guess, or um, my crucible. There we go. My crucible that, um, that really motivated me to be like, I can do this. If he can do this, I can do this. And since then, I've just continued to follow learning about government, which I am very passionate about. Anything about government related, just like politics in general, I always get excited for. So the reason I chose, chose my major, um, so I chose business and I actually started my own business as a seventh grader in middle school um, to pay for my car. And some parents were like, you know what, if you want a car, you gotta pay for it. Um, and so that was a really good learning experience for me. Um, I worked hard. I got up to like 17 yards my first year. Um, and I like employed like my sisters. Like that was just, um, business was a way that I could provide for myself. Um, I didn't want to have to ever really depend on someone else. Um, Cause I think independence is really important to me. Um, and so that's kind of why I chose business because I already had that great relationship with it. Um, it's also very versatile so I can use it in a variety of different capacities um, and really try to help some people. So that's kind of why I chose my major. 
Okay, Miss Entrepreneur. Um, so like Megan, um, not public administration, but my major is political science. Um, and one of the reasons for that is just because I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me making decisions. Um, I realized that a lot of decisions being, being made that would affect me as a Latina woman and as a queer person were all being made by white men. And that bothered me a lot. I was like, I feel like we should have say in this. Um, I also know that it's a male dominated field. Um, so I made it my goal to, you know, fight the gender norms um, because I deserve to be able to be a voice not only for myself, but other little girls, other little children who, you know, need to be able to see people making and helping them and people who look like them, if that made sense. Um, how difficult is it to do the leadership type of things within those places as a woman? That's a good question. Um, I would say because we're in college, all of us, it's a little bit easier making and filling those positions just because, um, I don't know, I just feel like it's easier than society or like actually leaving college and then going to an actual business. For me, I've had an amazing time in my position. Um, I've had amazing teachers, specifically like Shayna, I'm also a leadership studies minor. And so with that, I've been able to hone in on my leadership capabilities and improve them. And so it's been an amazing experience. And I would guess difficulties would be um, possibly just reminding myself that what I'm doing is beneficial. And that even though Washburn is a predominantly white institution, and when you look at WSGA student government's history in general, it has been predominantly white. I know that I'm making history by being able to be a woman of color in this position. So I would say it's easy now, but I also think this is also excellent practice for the future. I would say it's easy at times. Um, I have been, I have dealt with some comments before um, about, you know, like degrading comments of like, you know, when I get passionate about something or when I stand up um, for something that I don't agree with, I've been asked like, oh, are you on your period? Like, and to me that is so wrong. Um, so, you know, but that's very, very small compared to what other people have gone through. So, um, you know, yes, I've had it gone through it, but I also think it makes me stronger of like, no, I'm not my period. Thanks for asking. Now continuing on to the issue, you know? So, um, you know, if, if it happens, you know, just moving forward um, because yeah, that's a fact. Women do have periods, um, but that, that, that doesn't mean that what we're saying doesn't matter. So um, yeah, so I definitely have had a couple of issues, but nothing compared to some of what other people have gone through though. Um. I feel like like I'm a freshman so like a lot of my I feel like experiences being here as long as Shaden and Megan have been like it's just not the same because I'm just so new to this. Um, I know that I was really grateful to get the chairwoman position um, but I, I think like as a woman getting a leadership position was like it's such a big deal to me because like sometimes in the back of my head, you know, because of society, it's like, oh, well, like, can you really do that? Like, can you really put that work on? And I think, like, it's harder from things that I think about myself because of how, like, installed it is in my brain from society and things that I see that, like, I often ask myself, like, can you really do that? Um, and then I backtrack and, like, you can and you can do that better than men. And I think, like, transitioning from, like, high school, um, I was like the only like Latina there and there was just a lot of men there, um, a lot of boys in my class. And it was just, I know that I always had to work 10 times harder to be seen as like the same. And like a situation that like, sometimes I think about is that there was a kid in my class who came to Washburn and um, he ended up leaving and dropping out. Um, and the, I just, it hurt a little bit to know that we, I worked way harder in high school than he did, but we still ended up in the same college. And like that kind of bothered me a little bit. And I think it also bothered me because I know that there's no way he would have been able to graduate high school if it wasn't for my help. 
Yeah, I think that I've definitely had some struggles being a woman in leadership positions. I think I always have. I think this year is the most it kind of came out. Um, uh, I definitely think that a lot of people have challenged my leadership just because I am a woman and I'm a minority woman, so I'm a person of color. So that's even, that's like two things on top of, of, of you know, just instead of like just the one thing, just being a woman. Um, and especially like outside of WHA at my job, I, my boss tells me sexist things all the time, you know, yes. talking about you, you need to smile more and smile. And I've had customers tell me, you know, well, you're a woman, you can't help me. So I want a man or I want a man manager because you're, you don't, you're dumb. You don't know what you're doing or something like that. So I definitely think that in the day and age we live in, it's definitely difficult being a woman, or especially a woman of color um, leader. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. I think it's like, it's kind of both. In some ways it's easier, in some ways it's harder. And the ways that it's easier, you know, I do, I am the first minority president. And so that kind of gives me some leeway to be able to do things or open up doors. But in more ways, it kind of negatively impacts me that I'm a woman um, or minority woman. Um, because like I said, people have challenged me um, in my leadership. I get labeled as, you know, you know, a bitch because I'm a black woman or aggressive because I am a black woman, um, which I, I understand I'm a very strong personality, but to an extent, it's kind of made me the way that I am being a minority woman and being in leadership. I've had to fight for everything. So yeah, maybe I come off aggressive or strong or a bitch, but it's because I've, I have never had, I don't, I don't get things handed to me um, the way other races do or other genders do, you know? So yeah, I definitely think that it's made it more difficult. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yes. Uh, I, I mean, just look at our history, just one, the country's history, and then two, the organization's history. Race is definitely something that will impact leadership opportunities, as well as success, just because um, representation, for me, I'm a huge advocate for representation, because I know if you can't see it, then you don't think you can do it. And so part of what I, what motivates me is again, going back to, I'm being my own role model. I'm being someone who I wanted to look up to when I was younger, when everyone that like I was supposed to look up to were white or white women or just weren't Hispanic or Mexican or Latina. Yeah, I would definitely say it does. Um, personally, obviously I am white, so I have not had to deal with a lot um, of what other BIPOC members have. Um, and so, you know, I can't speak from that experience, but I can say that coming from like, you know, a very white school, um, I've never, I've had more with me, myself being a woman than I have with my race. And I really don't ever remember a time where race has been an issue for me. Um, it's really more been my gender. Um, so I think that just goes to show kind of backs up what Megan has been saying. Um, you know, that's something I've never felt before. And I think it's because I'm white, you know, um, so I will speak to that. 100%. It, not only am I a woman, but I'm also Latinx. So that in itself, like it's just intersectionality. They're, they're combined. Um, so whenever there is an accomplishment for me, it's not only you did that, like good job because you're a woman, like you're finding the gender norms, but it's also like you did that and you're Hispanic, like you're a woman of color. Um, I do know that like race does make it a little difficult. Um, I went to a predominantly white high school. Like I was the only Latina there. So it was like very weird. Um, and I know that no matter how hard I worked that I would not be seen as equal to a lot of these things like there were positions that I know I could have ran for that I could have had but I never ran for them because I was like they're not going to vote me because I'm not white like I don't look like their best friends they're not going to vote me so I just didn't try um so I feel like I know I could have but in the end I know that I wouldn't have gotten it because I don't look like the rest of them and no matter how much I know that I would have done fantastic at it 
I know that I just wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. Um, so this kind of goes into more of the next section, which I have in blue on here. It says, um, women can be subjected to more uh, denigrating comments. So such as, are you on your period? Um, have you ever been asked that or something like that? Or has someone made comments like those or assumptions towards you? Um, all the time, like literally all the time. Like I've been asked, are you on your period all the time? Or um, like I said earlier, like I get a lot of those sexist comments, like, oh, well you need to smile more. Like, and I'm one of the only people of color at my job. And um, someone telling me to smile more when they wouldn't tell a man that, like, why do I need to smile? First off, we're wearing masks, second off, so you're not gonna see it. Um, so yeah, I definitely get degrading comments like that, telling me that I can't help people because I'm a woman or I'm dumb because I am black or stuff like that. So yeah, I've had a lot of those comments. Yeah, I don't know, Shane, if you wanna go ahead and go first on this one. <laughs> I can. Um, besides the period, which I actually got, I asked, I got asked if I was on a period Monday, so it's still happening. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, passion does not equal a period. I just want to say that. Um, but besides that, since I kind of already talked about my personal experience with that. Um, so yeah, so when I was growing up, um, I was kind of always taught, you know, hard work, you know, like being on a lawn care business, like that is like kind of more of a masculine thing, I think, to do. Um, and so a lot of my friends were like lifeguards and were, um, you know, they worked, you know, in like a kitchen or um, things like that. So I definitely, no one outside told me that like, like, oh, like it's degrading to be mowing lawns. Um, but personally, I feel like, okay, I'm out here in the hot sun mowing, you know, while they're, you know, doing a lifeguard in a swimsuit, which you see on like the commercials and the TV, you know, and so that to me was like, that was really hard to come to grasp with until I figured out I was making a lot more money and um, I had great customers. Um, and so that was really an empowering experience, but it definitely took some understanding of like, okay, like, you know, it doesn't have to be in my head of like what I think a teenage girl should be doing for her summer job. Um, so I guess that was something I kind of had to learn for myself um, as well. Honestly, um, I'm trying to think. Personally, I don't think I can remember a specific experience most likely there probably has been experiences, but I've kind of grown up or like taught myself to not really let those limit me or just um, get me in a negative space. So I guess <laughs> most likely there have been, there just aren't any that I can specifically remember that really got me triggered. Uh, yes, um, I've been told like, um, like, are you on your period? Like when I am mad, um, I also have been like the whole, I think for me, it's also like, a, oh, calm down when I'm like super passionate about something because it's, I'm seen as like, like angry and that I have issues when I'm not, I'm just really passionate about something. Um, another thing I feel like can like, co like correspond with that is like mansplaining. Like sometimes I know things and I will explain it to a man, but they won't believe me or they'll try and explain it to me. Like, do you know what that is? Or like, let me show you how to do it. And like, I hate that because I know what I'm doing and I know that I'm right. And so when men try to do that, it's really degrading because obviously that the only reason they're trying to mansplain this to me is because I'm a woman and they don't think that I'm capable enough to do something. Um, so yeah, yeah. Diana, I'm so sorry you've had to go through that. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Um, it is one of the most frustrating things and it's so hard especially when it happens in a work environment because you have to maintain and be professional despite the fact that they are treating you terribly and so I'm so sorry you've had to go through that I completely know what you're talking about um, and so yeah I understand 100% <laughs> agree with like workplaces I remember having a job and be like oh well, do you know like where this is going like do you know how to use this I'm like 
you trained me. I was trained in three days completely. Like, you know how fast I work. I've been here from, yes, I know where things are going. Have you guys ever been asked to change from your clothes from something you are wearing? Uh, oh, let's see, elementary school, middle school, high school. I'm pretty sure any woman who is listening to this podcast, and the minute this question comes up, the first, th- the first question that we always got told or the first statement was, I can see your shoulders. High, just the entire education system, specifically in high school, has a huge problem with women showing their shoulders because apparently shoulders are sexy. Now, I'm pretty sure all of us can, basically all of us have experienced something like that where we've been told to change. And the, the statement that I always have to that is, I understand what you're doing, but the issue isn't with the girls, how they're dressed. The issue is that everyone else has a problem with how the girls are dressed. Because I, there's a statement either on Facebook, but I remember saying it, where um, teachers would be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with the, how this student is dressing. One, why are you uncomfortable? And then two, why are you thinking of a child in that way? Because please be reminded that most of everyone in high school, the majority of them are under 18. So they're a child, they're not an adult. So why are you so concerned on them showing their shoulders, showing their knees, or just showing their skin in general? And second of all, why like, are specifically girls, because lots of guys, they will not go through this, but girls will. Why are girls being kicked out of class to go change? Because that takes away time from them learning the material. And then it just overall makes them feel bad because it's like, I came here to learn. I didn't come here to change my outfit just so that you could feel comfortable. I would definitely agree with that. Um, My experience also comes from sports. So I did, you know, volleyball, basketball, swim team, started in third grade, you know, all the way through high school. Um, And so it always made me very upset um, when the guys could take off their shirt, but a girl cannot wear the cutoffs. So I don't know if you guys had this, but like, I know it's a country thing. It's a country thing. Um, So like your t-shirt, you would like cut off like the sleeves. Yeah, you would cut off the sleeves and then you would like have like kind of more of a cutoff t-shirt, basically more of a tank top. Um, And for the longest time that was not allowed in our sports practices. Um, And I was just like, there's a guy over there with no shirt on, but we can't show our shoulders. Um, And then eventually, you know, it kind of got more relaxed. Um, We also couldn't wear leggings for a long time for volleyball practice. Um, Yeah, it was showing too much. Um, Apparently a butt is like, whoa, man. (laughs) Um, So that was that was very big um, at our school. And so that was always something I really struggled with. Um, So yeah, it definitely, definitely is happening still. (laughs) I have so much to say about this. So just bear with me. Um, I'll touch like with what Megan said, because I had an instance in school where I showed up with like, like it was like a crop top, but I was also like insecure. So like, it was not that short. I promise it was not that short. Just when I, when I raised my arms, like you could see like my midriff or whatever. And I remember a teacher coming up to me and was like, you're going to have to go change. And I said, why? And it was because she was like, like, that's too much. And I said, okay. I was annoyed the entire day. I was very much talking about her to everybody that I could. And she heard me and then like pulled me aside. I was like, you know, you shouldn't be talking about me. But I was like, you made me change for no reason. Like I had a sweater on, like nothing was showing. Um, and then what Shayda talked about, I played volleyball in high school. And I remember that a lot of us would also cut our shirts and we would like roll them and just tuck them under like our sports bra just because it, it gets really hot. You're sweating, you're with a bunch of people and our AC did not work. And I remember that when day our coach came in and was like, hey, like you guys can't wear them anymore. And a lot of us do like a fit. Um, we were upset, like as we should be. And um, we tried to talk to the superintendent about it and try and get it fixed. Um, but that did not work at all. We were just not allowed to wear them anymore. And that was really frustrating considering the boys could wear whatever they wanted. Their shirts could be off, but we were sexualized. And that's, I think, what the issue comes from is like women, we are so sexualized. 
um, which ties into like rape culture um, because shoulders are showing like, but why are you looking? Why does this make you uncomfortable? Another thing is like growing up, um, if I was wearing something, my mom's like, you know, you need to go change because like um, I have like my friends coming over and they're guys. Like how do you do like your theos are coming over, like my uncles are coming over, um, don't be wearing that. And as a kid, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But as I've grown, it's like, if, if I have to change for the men that you are inviting over, don't invite them. Like that should not be a reason that I have to change. Um, and I think that's a reason like sometimes I want to wear something and I'm like, I'm not going to because I understand that I sometimes can risk myself for being catcalled and I don't want to have to do that. And I don't want to have to deal with being slut shamed for what I'm wearing, even though I feel really good in a lot of things that I wear, even if it does show skin, because that's how I feel good, because it makes me feel good about myself and the body that I'm in. So having to like being told to change and stuff, not only is it sexualizing women, especially at a really young age, um, but also almost like just degrading them and being like, oh, you should be ashamed of the body that you're in, you know, because then you grow up and it's like, oh, um, another instance uh, when I, my most recent foster home that I was in, the very last one, um, very, very religious family. Um, and there were, I had no control over, like I could not wear the things that I wanted to wear. I wasn't allowed to wear leggings unless it, the shirt I was wearing was down, like covering my butt. Um, I don't know why. And one time I tried going to school with it and they were like, you need to go back in and change. Like, I'll wait for you in the car. Mind you, like school was starting in like three minutes. And I said, okay. Um, another instance is just, I remember wanting to wear a shirt to school and like, they were like, you need to go change. So what I would do is I would wear my nice clothes that I wanted to wear under everything. And then I'd get to school, go into the bathroom and take it all off. And then right before I would go home, I would go back in and put the clothes that I left the house in. Yeah. Um, I am a bigger woman, which means I have bigger boobies and they're sometimes hard to hide. Um, I can't wear what all the other, you know, little girls or little women wear. And so I've definitely been asked a lot of times to like wear a jacket or cover up. But it's mm -hmm. like, it's a pair of boobs. You know that I have them. They're right there. It's not like my whole, you know, my whole boobs out of my shirt. It's just a little line at the top and a little bit of cleavage. Um, so yeah, I think that's my biggest thing. I don't really wear shorts. I'm not really a shorts person. Mm -hmm. It's mostly the boobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh do you, what do you guys think of roles? And I know it's a vague question. So just whatever is on the top of your guys' heads, what do you think of roles? Like, because I know roles is a very huge umbrella term. What specifically are you referring to? People say that there are roles in households. So for instance, women are supposed to be in the kitchen is one thing and men are supposed to be the working one. And which by the way, is half the time, not even the case from what I've seen, but they believe still, they still believe in these roles, but you know, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think of them? Yeah, so just for all the listeners, um, the minute Haley mentioned household roles, literally all of us knew exactly <laughs> what we were talking about. If you could see our faces, you would know just how triggering this question is. But um, so for me, no. <laughs> the traditional, quote unquote, traditional household role of a woman is to be the caregiver, be the mother, make sure that the dinner is cooked for the husband after a long day of work, and just all this, <laughs> all this unnecessary stress and societal pressure on women. Um, I don't agree with it. However, if a woman decides that's what she wants to do, pop off. That's all you, sis. You do what you want to do because I'm here for it. Me personally, I would rather have us be equal. And that goes along the lines of feminism. But even then, feminism is being able to tell women, if you want to be a house mother or um if you want to just be a homebody perfect we want you to do that because we want you to have a choice on what you do with your life now speaking on men this idea that men have to be the breadwinners 100 percent 
is so stressful for men because I remember um, learning about this in some of my classes where like it sounds cool like that's the traditional system but you have to think about like that put a lot of pressure on men where if men weren't able to be the breadwinners if they weren't able to provide for their family then according to society they weren't men and so fragile masculinity masculinity in general that's still a very much big topic but just the household roles in general I don't think should should be allowed or that should be so limiting to other people again I think that role should be equal if you want to stay home and take care of the kids be a same home dad or a stay-at-home mom good for you I love that but you shouldn't have the intention that oh we're married now this is what you're going to do and this is what I'm going to do and there's not going to be any discussion that I don't agree with I think Megan really hit everything um especially you know Obviously, I don't think um, society should tell a woman what she should have to do anyway, um, or a man. I think there's a lot of men are kind of always been told not to be vulnerable. And there's such a power um, and an inspiration in anyone being vulnerable. And no one should have to hide their emotions, whether it's a female, male, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, you should just be able to live your best life and however you want to live it because you only have one. Um, and so I completely agree with, I don't think there is any traditional roles, or at least not in my book. Um, and I think that, you know, you, everyone's here for a reason. And if that reason is to raise kids um, and stay at home, go for it. You know, I want you to live, be fulfilled in whatever you're going to do, um, because it's your life at the end of the day. I don't, I don't like household roles. Um, so I know Shaden and Megan talked about that, um, but I think I'm going to bring in like, like maybe like a different aspect that I know Megan's going to understand is like household roles in Latin homes because they are yep. Yep. crazy because as a, like the women, you were taught how to clean at an early age. You were taught how to cook at an early age. And I remember growing up, I'd be like, why do I have to like, why do I have to do this? Like I had an older brother. I was like, why isn't he doing it? And she was like, well, like, you need to know these things so when you get married. And I remember the first time she was like, and I remember this because she was like, what if you cook something and your husband, your husband doesn't like it? Um, mind you, at that age, I was like, child, I'm not getting married to a man, but whatever, that's another topic for another day. Uh, I remember I was like, then he's just going to have to go make him a sandwich. I'll eat the whole thing by myself. I'm not going to remake something for a man. And also like being like, there's also like a lot of religious aspects that we had. And it's like, oh, like as a woman, like you have to be baptized and do your first communion as, like at a young age. So that way you can be married. And I remember my mom was like, we need to do that um, because you're not gonna be able to get married. And I remember looking at that woman, love her and told her, watch me. Like, I'm not doing that. Cause I don't feel comfortable getting in the dress and going to classes and having to tell a stranger like all of my sins, especially like a young age. Like I was not only dealing with life as a Latinx woman, but like, I was also dealing with like my sexuality and I felt so like just grossed out with myself. So there was just so many aspects that I just was like, I don't want to do that. Um, I know that in my family and my Latinx family, like a lot of us, it's just like, the women are always in the kitchen. They're always making tortillas. They're cook cooking the soups. They're cooking all the meals. And the men are sitting watching soccer, at the t at, like just chilling. And that's so crazy to me because if I were to ever get married to a man, ever, won't be, but hypothetically, if I was, um, it would 100% be equal. And I think it's really important that, like, I have siblings and I have a little brother and I have a little sister, uh, two sisters. Um, and I think it's really important to give children, especially, like, of different genders, the same chores. Like, they have to learn how to do it all. So if Natalie is learning how to like wash dishes, then Louis, I mean, I understand that he's four, but like, he's still smart enough to like do some stuff. Like I still explained to him that like, this is what you do. Like you pick up your dish and you go rinse it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so important to like install these things into children. So that way they're not stuck with these like traditional roles that were given, especially as women. Um, I guess my, um, first thought that came to mind when, sorry, I have to call, <clears throat> doing when I thought of roles is like roles in like leadership and roles 
and like jobs and what you're supposed to do. And I mean, I don't think that there's a problem with roles now. What I do think is a problem is when you start demographing, um, putting certain demographics to certain roles, like that's not okay. Like when you assume, you know, that Mexicans will clean everything and then the black people will serve everybody and then the white people will just be the CEOs. Like that's when you're kind of demographic, um, racially demographicing people. And that's when it kind of becomes not okay. Um, do you think because of those, do you think it impacts things like wage and how does that make you feel? That's a tough question again. Um, so as some listeners may know, women are paid less than men. If you disagree with that statement, I am sorry, you are wrong. But um, there is evidence to show that women are paid less than men. Now, people try to justify that statement by saying, oh, this position requires more work. And so we need men to do this. This is why we pay them more. That's why um, you're paid less for the same job. But I don't agree with that. It's a job. It should be equal to everyone. If you can do the job, you should get paid what that job is paying you. And if you can't do the job, then you go find a job that you can do. Now, um, I think everyone should be paying equal. The only reason I should, I would ever expect a pay um, difference would be the roles that you're doing, the responsibilities that take of it. But other than that, your gender and sex should not define how much you are getting paid for a job. It should be your experience and your knowledge. You know, um, it's no mystery. Um, it's no shock that women are getting paid less. And I think a lot of it comes from confidence. Um, you know, because we know that we're paying less, um, women have a lot less confidence in the workforce. Um, there was actually a study done um, where there was like, you know, a list of characteristics. It was like 10 characteristics that this employer was looking for, um, you know, maybe like typing, all these things. Um, and men circled three of them and they're like, and they still applied for it. So if they had three or so on the list, they applied for it. If women, the women that were in the study, if they did not have every single thing on the list, they would not apply for the job. Um, and so I think having, you know, knowing that of like the mentality, um, and I think, you know, continually having women <laughs> getting less in the workforce for the same amount of work is just adding on to that and chipping away at the confidence level, um, which is really sad and is going to have detrimental effects. Um, but I think we're, we're getting progress. We still have a long ways to go, but we are making progress on that front, which is really exciting. Um, I'll have to agree with Shaden. I do think that there is progress, but I understand that there is so much more still to go. Um, I don't feel like I have personally experienced that just because like my jobs haven't been like in a field where like they're male dominated. Like, I mean, I just, I worked at, at a Sonic, like that's not really that much. I got service paid wage, like just like all the other servers are the car hops there. Um, but I do think like confidence level, like sometimes because of the profession that I want to go into, um, I understand that, especially now I, and even while I'm there, once I get there, that I will have to work a lot harder than these men. I'm going to have to work more not only to prove myself to those around me, um, but just prove myself, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, because it is male dominated. And sometimes I'm like, I think, and I'm like, yeah, like I'm gonna, I know that I'm gonna have to really prepare myself um, mentally because that is gonna be, I know that it's gonna be just a little tough because I'm like surrounded by men who I know are not gonna think that I'm capable. Um, but I do hope, I know that like wage gaps, um, there's a lot that plays not only with gender, but race because black and Hispanic women are like the lowest paid. Um, and I'm Hispanic, so I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, yeah, so wage. I definitely don't agree with the way wages are done in our country, especially because, yeah, there's a big gender, you know, 
disconnect with the wages. Men obviously are getting paid more to do things than women, but minorities are getting paid even less to do things. <clears throat> so here I am, a minority woman making way less, and I could be doing the exact same thing that a white man is doing. Mm -hmm. And I'll be getting paid, like the, the pay gap will be exponentially high. And yes. that's not fair, especially because in a lot of things, I'm not trying to be cocky or anything like that, but I can do things way better than a lot of other people. Like a lot of, and I feel like it should be based off of like um, performance and stuff like that and not on your gender or your race, mm -hmm. so. Women aren't tested enough for problems like heart conditions like men are, even though it's as prevalent with women as just it is as men. Seeing how there's a definite difference in women and especially women who aren't white, I didn't wanna say uh, POC or Bill Pock excluding a race or an ethnicity. So I said, if you aren't white, um, are treated in healthcare, how does that make you feel? So like, it's obvious sometimes that uh, other people are treated differently in healthcare. So women are not tested for certain things as much as men are, for instance. How does that make you feel? Um, yeah, it's, it's very frustrating um, because, you know, there's always this stigma between, you know, black women and being like test subjects for medical experiments and people thinking that because of our skin, we don't feel pain or stuff like that. Um, so I think that, yeah, it's a woman gender problem, but it's also a racial issue. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that the problem is we need to stop hiring people who are biased because first off in these positions, in these positions, these jobs, you can't be biased, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I were to go to someone who was racist, like that, why do you have that job? You know what I mean? Um, so it's definitely really, it's very frustrating and it's very disheartening and hurtful to see other people suffer like that. Luckily, I haven't had problems with my healthcare. I also don't go to the doctor very much if I can avoid it. Mm -hmm. um but it definitely sucks and it definitely makes it makes it very difficult to watch it's sad honestly um i know whenever women talk about their bodies and in regards to health a lot of the time they will not be listened to or they would be told oh it's not that serious or oh it's all in your head i know some of my friends whenever it came to some of their own health issues, they would have to go to maybe like five or eight different doctors. And then on that last visit of that eighth doctor, they would finally be heard. So it's very difficult and it's very damaging to women because you start to completely go against what you're feeling. You're starting to think, oh, I'm crazy. What I'm experiencing isn't a health issue. This is just all in my head, which most of the time it's not. If you recognize that your body's in pain, it's in pain. And then coming from the BIPOC, BIPOC perspective um, with the majority of our medical history or just like medical knowledge, the majority of that time it is done by um, white people. When there's this, uh, I was on Twitter one time and I seen that there is this book that this nurse made, a nurse of color, and it showed the different symptoms of regular diseases and what they looked like on people of color skin, people like on their skin. Because the majority of the time when you look in medical textbooks, they're gonna be on white skin. And so for a BIPOC person, you don't know what to expect because it's gonna look completely different on your skin versus another person's skin. And then a good example is, um, I know in the black community, there was the Tuskegee um, experiments. And so in the black community, there's a huge fear of vaccines because the majority of the time, whenever it comes to testing vaccines, uh, African-Americans, black community, as well as other BIPOC groups would be used as test subjects. And so there's a whole bunch of risks looking outside of race, but also again, going back to the intersectionality of including race and sex. So it's, it's scary. And then it's also sad because we go to our doctors and we go to our health professionals because we're seeking help, but because of either our race or our sex or our gender, it's probably going to take 10 times before someone will actually acknowledge that we do have a problem and that we're not just crazy.
I do not have anything to add on this. I do. Um, so I know that women are often like, it's sort of like our symptoms aren't taken as seriously um, because I had an instance where um, I got this new birth control and I was having issues with it. Um, and I called out my doctors and their nurses and mind you, these are white women. Um, and I was telling them about the side effects that were like just way out of control. And I told them that like, it wasn't normal. And I remember being on the phone, I was like, I don't know what it is, but I want it out. And I remember them telling me, you've only been with it for two months. You're gonna have to wait until it's six months until we can take it out. And so I left it at that because I was like, there's, they're not gonna like believe me. Um, and it wasn't like until a week later where I started to get a lot of pain in my arm because of the birth control. And I went and I was telling her, and she was like, oh, okay, like we can look at it um, and see about getting it removed. And when they took it out, she had realized that there was pain because my body was rejecting it and it was adhering, which means like this birth control was like sticking to the muscles in my body. Um, and it was really hard for them to get out. And so I think like, had you believed me the first time and just listened to me when I told you that I wanted it to be taken out and that I was having issues then it, I wouldn't have been in such pain like had they just believed me I wouldn't have been in the pain that I was in I, I didn't mention or ask that you want to talk about also ending on a lighter note is there something that you have done that has kind of changed an aspect of what women are thought to be doing or are currently working on or are you doing something that's like, yeah, I'm beating these norms and I'm gonna, you know, I'm ripping at them, you know? Um, I think that I want people to know how important women are to our um, world, you know, but I also want people to know that women have the right to choose whatever life path they want to do and do whatever they want to do. Some people, some women want to have babies, some women don't, some want to have jobs, some want to be CEOs. And people hold, don't hold men to the same standards that they hold women. And so I kind of want people to know that whatever a woman does in her life, it could be your mom, your sister, aunt, friend, cousin, that you need to support her in whatever path that she chooses because it's her life and if you are not supporting them what kind of person does that make you yeah. so i think that's just kind of like the most important thing to me is letting women live the life that they want to live without fear of like um being made fun of or judgment you know what i mean so i think that that's what i would want them to know I touched briefly on this at the beginning, but me continuing to make history by being um, a woman of color in the diversity and inclusion position. And then also my own personal motivation. I think I talked briefly with this with all of you, but um, I often remind myself that genetically speaking, men are mutations. And so mutations often have a lower lifespan. This sounds very dark, but um, welcome to the life of a woman. But yeah, um, that's honestly the biggest motivation that, you know, I'm, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I can accomplish what I will. And the fact that there have been barriers put in place to stop me from being successful just shows that you also acknowledge how powerful I am to the point that you want to hinder that ability. But yeah. <laughs> Go Megan, I love it. Um, to me, I, you know, I wrote, helped Megan, you know, write the legislation for Women's History Month and kind of looking back on everything that women have accomplished so far um, was really incredible. And I think it's important to, you know, look in the past, but also look towards the future. I think, you know, women, I challenge women everywhere to choose courage over comfort um, because we're not meant to be on this world to choose comfort all the time. We have to have the courage to stand up for what we believe in and to fight for our passions. Um, and so I encourage women everywhere to do that um, because I think everyone has the ability to make history. It's just a choice. Um, I feel like, um, almost like me, like I feel like I make history every day and there are things that I remind myself of um, 
that I really am so proud of myself. Like not only as a freshman am I a woman of color and I am a chairwoman of a position of a committee, I'm sorry. And it has been such a surreal experience working with Megan. I have a lot of fun. Um, I've also written like two legislation and both have been passed. Like there's just so much that I feel like I'm doing um, that really kind of like, you know, fight these gender norms. Like I'm, I just like to remind myself that like you're out here like you're making you make history every day and I think that's really important for like just women to know um almost like Shaden said like you're not here to please anybody you're not here your job is not to make anybody else happy because at the end of the day nobody's going to love you the way that you love you and you have to be happy with yourself you have to be happy with the things that you're doing because there's no point to it if you're not happy if you're not happy if you feel like you're not enough like there's just so much out there that as women that we can do and we've been taught that we can't but you just gotta be a badass and just go do it you just gotta do it hey you all made it i want to give a thanks to you listeners listening to the almost hour-long episode i promise the next one will not be an hour if you guys want to listen and see more let us know on our social media we have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our Instagram and Twitter handle is YourWSGA, and our tw- our Facebook is the Washburn Student Government Association. Um, I also want to give a thanks to the woman who I'm, I interviewed, President Victoria Smith, Director Shaden Haynes, Director Megan Durantes, and Chairperson Diana Ramirez. And I also wanted to give a thanks to Senator Sierra Jeter for starting this platform and helping me through it. Uh, yeah. And then I also once again want to give you guys a big thank you to you listeners out there. I hope you guys have a great week. I talk to you guys later. Bye.